Just imagine if you could care about the whole human family the same way you care about your own. That would revolutionize everything. Mm -hmm. Because you're ready to give and take, compromise, share, and so on. We welcome you to this edition of Tuesday People, the podcast. I'm your host, Mitch Album, the author of the book Tuesdays with Maury on its 25th anniversary year. Lisa Goitsch, my friend and producer, is alongside as always. Hi, Lisa. Hey, Mitch. You're I feel like it's very, long. Very fall-like today. Uh, yes. For those yeah, who can't see sweater. us, which is everybody, um, I am wearing a turtleneck sweater for the first time this year. Even in Southern California, it's a little nippy. I, I say that. You know, it's not Michigan nippy, but it's Southern No, California. it's not Michigan. I'm, I'm looking at about seven inches of dead leaves on my lawn here. Yeah, and yeah, I know. You've got probably 80 degrees sunshine, but you're wearing a turtleneck. All right. <laughs> well, that's okay. So we're recording this uh, actually the day before it is released, which is, as it turns out, Halloween. So I'm going to talk today, because it is Halloween, about grave sites. And mm. not in a scary way, but actually in the way that people tend to avoid them and tend to even avoid making decisions about them. I, for one, have not made a choice about where I'm going to be buried. You got to do that, Mitch. And neither has my <laughs> wife. Oh, and I am generally a person who thinks about things somewhat ahead of time. I mean, I'm not, I'm not one of those people that packs three days before they leave. But, you know, on big things, I give a consideration. So why is it that I have not made that decision? I'm going to talk about when is the right time to make that decision and how we have sort of aversions to doing that kind of thing in a mm. minute. But I want to tell you a funny story about Halloween that has nothing to do with Graves. The rest of the topic, right. But <laughs> it's a funny story, and I get to tell it on Halloween. And I think it, in some ways, I told it to Maury, and uh, he laughed about it. And perhaps you will as well, because when you look back on things that happen to you when you're younger and how they portend for later in life. So I was probably about six or seven years old, and Halloween came around, and we had in our neighborhood in those days. They used to do in school, you used to wear your costume to school and ah. then they would get out of school a little early and mm -hmm. do a parade uh, around the town. You know, I lived in a small town and everybody kind of knew where everybody lived and you'd go, you'd march out of the school and you'd go maybe three blocks down one street, you'd cross the street, you'd come back three blocks and the parents would come out and they would look, you know, they would watch, they would wave. So this year... When I was six or seven years old, I wanted to be the mummy. I had seen the mummy or seen a comic book about it. I just really wanted to be a mummy. But of course, a mummy is somewhat of a hard costume to- Labor intensive. Very labor intensive. And, and my mother you know, started by uh, making it for me with rags, but she quickly ran out of rags. You only have so many rags in the house and you have to cover a whole little boy. So then she got- <laughs> Yeah, that she said, I'll do it out of toilet paper that we had plenty of. So yes. she wrapped me all the way around in toilet paper, my arms, my torso, my legs, everything like that. And in my head. And there's even a photo of it that I put in one of my books in the book for one more day, 
you can see it. And, um, you know, I was, I was wrapped as a mummy. So I walked very gingerly up the three blocks or so to the school and we went on the parade. Unfortunately, as we started the parade, it began to rain. Oh, jeez! You can figure <laughs> out when your costume is made out of toilet paper. Not good. When it starts to rain that you are going to evaporate very quickly. And oh. so the toilet paper turned to mushy toilet paper and uh. started to fall off of me as we were walking out, you know, the three blocks. And by the time we came back the three block march, I was, I was nothing. I was just a bunch of wet toilet paper falling <laughs> down around my, around my ankles. And otherwise, it was just me in my, I don't know if I was in my underwear or uh, shorts or something, but I didn't have a lot on underneath it. And all the kids and the parents were laughing. And I was crying Aww. as we were walking back. And I saw my mother, and she was standing up on a porch or something in somebody's house, and she looked at me, and she started to laugh because it was funny, I'm sure. Right, then, yeah. she, then she put her hand over her mouth like, oh, my gosh. And I pointed at her, and I screamed, you ruined my life. <laughs> I don't quite know, you know, like, where the you ruined my life sentiment came from. I don't know what what you know, happened or what I did, uh, or what, you know, where I saw that, that, that somehow made me say that, but you ruined my life over a Halloween costume. And That's to this day, funny. anytime I think about Halloween, I always, always, always think about that. So there you have it. My little Halloween story. Now that's really let, funny. Let's get to, uh, let's get to this issue of graves. So Maury had picked out a place to be buried and he was very proud of it. He uh, he thought it was lovely, and he even spoke to me about it. He said it's a it's a beautiful place. It's on a hill. It's by a lake. Um, it's you know serene, and I hope that you will come and visit me there. That was a big uh, request of his. I've told this story before. He wanted me to come and and uh, spend some time and talk to him and. That kind of thing about you know, about what's going on in the world and all the rest of that stuff, and and I said to him, "Well, I won't be. I can't talk to you because it won't be like it is now. You know, you won't be able to talk back." And he said to me, "Well, I'll make you a deal. After I'm dead, you talk. I'll listen." Uh huh. And it's a very sweet moment. And I have since been to Maury's grave multiple times, and it is a lovely spot. And I have sat there and I have talked to him and, you know, he was right about all of that. So you would think since I was privy to that kind of information when I was only 37 years old, you would think I would have taken a hint and would have gone out and gotten myself a plot, a place to rest. But I wrote in a column the other day about this subject to quote, Bert Bacharach, I think, he write the song. I just don't know what to do with myself. Oh, that's the song. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, yeah. I don't know what to do with myself when I'm all done. Um, it's interesting that my parents went through an interesting situation with this. They had probably about 10 years 
before they passed away, they had purchased funeral plots down in Florida. Why Florida? Because that was where my father's parents were buried. So he got he got two plots there, figuring, well, all right, he'll be buried where his parents are buried. Then if we want to go visit the graves, we can visit them and my grandparents at the same time, even though none of us lived in Florida. So right. it was going to be a very long trip. But what happened was about 10 years later, my parents were living in California when uh, both of them suffered strokes. They really weren't able to uh, leave California. And my mother ultimately passed away there in California. Well, she passes away. We realize her funeral plot, her gravesite is in Florida. My father is in a wheelchair. We said to him, Dad, you're never going to be able to visit mom. I mean, even if we pull off this, you know, flying the coffin and the body and everything and all of us to Florida to have a funeral, that'll be the one time we do it. When are you ever going to go there again? Don't you want to go and visit mom at the grave? And we knew that he did because he and my mother are extremely close and it would just would be in his DNA that he would go visit. And of course, you know, it ended up that that's what he did frequently. But we had to go find a, a, a cemetery plot in California after my mother died. Between oh, the time geez. that she yeah, between the time that she died and and the time that we buried her. So needless to say, it was kind of frantic and and not the way you should probably handle that situation. No. No. So uh, we did it and we found a beautiful spot. And uh, when my father passed away, he was buried next to her and now, whenever I go to California, I go and see them there. And, you know, that works out okay. But we had to sort of scramble at the last minute. And so I guess there's part of me that thinks, well, if you make this decision too soon, something's going to happen to change your mind. Ah, yes. So I kind of, I think that's one reason. But then that may not be your reason, those of you listening to us. But ask yourself, have you chosen where you're going to be? interred if you're going to be. Now, Now, this, of course, speaks to the many different ways that people dispose of themselves, for want of a better phrase. For example, <laughs> dispose they, of themselves. Yeah, well, what do, what, what do we do when we don't have anything else to do? Where yeah. do we go? Where do we go when we have to, when it's time to go? Yeah. Um, and by now, more than half of Americans get cremated. And they say in about 10 or 12 years, 80% of Americans will actually be cremated. Well, because there's no more space. Oh, no, it's also more expensive to be buried the other way. People are not as religious as they used to be. They, they're not as you know concerned. In fact, where you are in California, the new rage there, in addition to states like Oregon and Washington and, and uh, Vermont, and you can see what they all have in common environmentally. They're very environmentally conscious places. Composting yes. is now a new way of people uh, disposing of their remains. They're just getting buried basically in the ground and yep. uh, being composted you know, and absorbed for fertilizer. Remember, we had that death doula on our show, uh -huh. um, Jill Shock. And that's what she was talking about. And that's what she specializes in. She does like natural burials. And, you know, they basically wrap people up in a cloth that's biodegradable and then um, just put you in the ground. 
That's not uh, what I'm doing, though. There you I already are. Know yeah. what, I already know what I'm doing. What are you doing? I am going to be cremated, and then I'm going to have my cremains made into a coral reef and dropped into the ocean. It's a thing. Okay. Eternalreefs.com. Look it up. It's already, okay. everybody knows. Everybody knows. All my, what happens all my, to the reef? Where, where, where does it get dropped? They, they have different reef, reef um, gardens and hmm. different, you can be off the coast. They have different like areas. And then they put a little plaque on there for you with your name on it. And it just becomes part of the ecosystem for the fish. And I'm a scuba diver and I love the ocean. And I thought, hey, I can be giving back to uh, the ecosystem in the end. We'll be back with more Tuesday People right after this. So that's yeah. very environmentally conscious, but it doesn't address one of the questions. And these are the questions that I want to pose to you, our audience. What is important to you when choosing a final resting place? Now, it may be that I want to be environmentally friendly. I don't want to take up more space. I don't want to leave a footprint after I can't leave a footprint. So let me be composted or let me be crushed into dust and, and scattered over the ocean or made into a coral reef and drop. All right. So that's one element. I want to be environmentally conscious about what happens to my remains. Other people uh, are more concerned, and I would say I would put myself in this category, with who gets to visit, who comes to visit at the grave. Now, I think in the Jewish religion, this is also maybe something, you know, that people do a little bit more than perhaps in other religions. I don't know. Uh, but it's common to go to the gravesite and leave some stones, small little stones on the tombstone uh, to signify that you were, were there. I like to go to my parents' gravesite and they have a nice little plaque in the ground, which has an image of the two of them. And it says together forever. And it's a beautiful like photograph of them that's kind of etched into the stone. And, you know, I go there and I can just sit and think about them. And I know that I know their souls aren't there, but I know that their physical remains are there buried. And it gives me comfort to sort of be there. Yeah. In which, ca in which case, if that's what you're searching for and you're trying to find that comfort for your family members, then where you are buried has a lot to do with your choice because you want to be near the people who will come see you, right? So uh, you don't want to put yourself in some spot that's impossible to go to. I remember going to New Zealand once and we took this helicopter ride to this sort of mountain lake that you could only get to by landing a helicopter alongside of it. It was so quiet, so serene, so beautiful. No photograph, no matter how many hundreds of them I took, ever captured how beautiful and serene the place was. And I remember thinking, this is sort of like a midway step to heaven. Right. And I, I said to my wife, wouldn't this be like an amazing place to be buried? Bring your ashes, be buried here. And she said, yeah, if you don't want anybody to ever visit you. 
Mm. And I realized, right, if you have to take a helicopter just to get up there and you have to go to New Zealand in the first place, nobody is visiting. And if you want to maintain some kind of connection with people, you want to do as Maury did, you know, have me come to the grave and have a conversation. That's going to be a little hard to do out in that ocean coral reef where you are, Lisa. Yeah. Or if someone is scattered, you know, scatters their ashes over the ocean or a mountaintop or something like that. So location matters for people who do that. That's true. But you know what? Like in my case, I don't have any children. Who's going to come visit me, right? I I think, God, I would have the most- your husband? What about your friends? Well, yeah, they don't care. about your siblings? (laughs) They don't care. Well, my siblings are much older than I am, so I'm assuming that they'll go first. Um, I mean, I have nieces and stuff, but I think about like my grandparents, I've never been to their grave. I mean, maybe when, when they first died, my parents would go a little bit, but even my mom never used to go. Now she's buried in a completely different cemetery than her parents. And I've gone to see my mom a few times when I was back in Michigan, because my brother just always takes me. It's a thing, right? But now my mom and dad are there together. So I guess whenever I go home, I would go see them, but I feel like my mom's everywhere I am. You know what I mean? Not just at a mm-hmm. grave. Yeah. So. Right. Then that's a lot of people feel like, you know, a grave is just a, it's just bones. It just remains. It's not, there's nothing important to be visited. And that's, and that's fine too. But that all kind of factors into how do you make your decision Yeah. as to where you want to go and, and how you want to go. Now you can be cremated. Like, as I say, it's the most popular uh, choice. But you can be cremated and still be then kept. You can have your remains buried. You know, you can you can have you can have be in a columbarium. Yeah, uh, you you can be in you know sort of uh, 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 where you go and they have the the urns and things displayed on on different shelves. Uh, and of course, you could end up in your living room. You could end up in the bedroom. You could end up in an urn in your garage. You know, depending on. People have leave all kinds of desires, you know, as I, I, I want my remains to be with my kids, you know, and I want them to look up at the urn and see me in there. That to me is a little creepy. I, I never I never quite got that, you know, why you want remains close by. Plus, I always have that fear that it'll be one of the one of those like meet the Fokker moments, you know, where a cat will knock over the urn, oh, the, urn. Of the ashes of. <laughs> of somebody uh, precious, you know, I, that's why I think cemeteries are cemeteries to me are interesting places. I mean, they're historic. You know, if you ever walk through cemeteries, just look at the gravestones and see. Oh, I love them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. How old the people uh, were when they went there and, and uh, when they died, what age they were when they died, you know, and it's, it's in many ways, it's very enlightening, you know, and it, it takes something away from the horror of it. Maury talked uh, about that. Uh, that he wasn't very, uh, what should we say, squeamish. He was very squeamish about this process. Listen to this little section of our conversation when he was talking about the rabbi who was going to do his funeral. He's a sweet man. He's going to help things for us, you know, help out, mm-hmm. get things you know, ready and stuff. What things? Well, help with the funeral. And we were talking here about cremation. And when I made this crack, he almost fell off the chair. I said, I just want you to make sure I don't get overcooked. (laughs) 
he was so amazed that I would have a sense yeah. of humor about that. Yeah. Are you surprised that you have a sense of humor about it? No way. Why? That's how you figured you would be. My objectivity. Uh -huh. My whole shtick I've been talking to you about. Detach yourself. Mm -hmm. Look at it. Nothing human is alien. Mm -hmm. And nothing human is unobservable. Nothing human is alien? Is that how you said it? In other words, anything that's human, I, sh I should be able to relate to. It's a human act. So why not face it realistically? Mm -hmm. See, the whole problem we have is, one, we're afraid to face too many realities. They're frightening disgusting, dreadful, uh, disturbing, what have you. So we run away from that. Dying is one of those things. So you can see Maury was talking about not just the whole notion of being buried, but dying as a subject and talking about it and dealing with it ahead of time. And I, I guess I have to admit I'm a little victim of that. You know, that's probably the reason I've kind of delayed you sort of say, well, if I don't pick out my burial plot, I, I can't die. You know, nothing can happen to me because uh, uh, there's no place to put me. Of course, that's not true, but I think we like to think that it is. Yeah. So, okay, we have where and the people that you want to have come visit you and the environmental part uh, and perhaps a religious part. You know, many religions frown on cremation. Many religions frown on composting or doing anything yeah. else. You know, and there are, there are certain traditions and rituals that you go through. But as yeah. Mari said, the key is to not be afraid of it. You're, you're not, and, and I'm, doing, I'm saying this as much as to me as to anyone else. There's no reason that by picking a gravesite, you therefore are somehow dooming yourself to a, to a young death. Oh, well, you pick your gravesite. We can take you now. That's not the case. You can pick your gravesite and live another 50 years. There's no reason not to. Uh, but I do think, like, thinking it out a little bit, and if you do want people to come visit you, and if you do want what Maury had about come visit me in my grave and you talk and I'll listen, you got to, you got to, you know, you can't be in Florida when you're from California. You can't, you can't be in another country on a mountain lake where nobody's going to get there. And, I like the idea of people coming by my grave and saying, he was an okay guy. Oh, there's yeah. Mitch. He was an all right guy. <laughs> there's Mitch. Hey, Mitch. I'll come visit you. I'll visit yeah. you. Oh, and then you're going to need a place to visit me, right? Yeah. So there's a, there's a cemetery right in our little town here that I keep meaning to ask, do you guys have any more room? It's just a few blocks from my house. Uh -huh. And it's a lovely sort of old cemetery. It goes back to the 1800s. Wow. And uh, I want to ask them if, they, if they've got a little corner somewhere. So maybe I will. But um, oh, that would a, be nice. Yeah, yeah. You've been there's, there a long time, like where you live. walked past it a lot. Yeah, I've lived here longer than I've lived anywhere else. Yeah. In this ho house longer than I've lived anywhere else. So it just seems to make sense. And I guess once I do it, I'll be at peace with that decision and say, okay, that's taken care of. And nobody has to worry about it. The other thing is if you don't do it, 
you're only putting a burden on your family to suddenly have to come up with this. Like, oh. Well, did did dad? Where's dad's funeral plan? I don't know. What do you, wait? Does he have one? I don't know. You mean he doesn't have a? You know, that, oh, that's please. Terrible. My husband has does has no idea. I, I keep asking him. You have to tell me what you want me to do. Like, does he want to be cremated? Does he want to go, be in a grave? Does he want? What does he want? Where does he want? He won't tell me. So yeah. I don't want to be the one to have to like make a decision against his will. You know. Uh, I don't know. And we're getting to that age, you know, Mitch, where we have to start making these decisions. Yes. Well, that's the thing. It's when you get to that age that you don't want to admit that you're getting to that age. And that's the last thing you want to do. Right. That's true. But yes, it it is a burden that you don't want to leave onto somebody else to try to have to make and try to have to guess. You know, whatever it is, whatever your choice is, make your wishes known. Tell people ahead of time so that they're not trying to guess for you. That's that's not right. That's too big a burden to put on somebody, especially when they're going to be grieving you at that time. That's not the moment you want to have to make that decision. So wherever it is, pick pick, pick the spot and say, you know, now I lay me down to rest and I know where I'm going to spend yep. the time, not just the theoretical. So keep that in mind and maybe you'll have a moment with the people you love where they'll come. And as Maury said, you talk, I'll listen. You'll be able to hear them and they'll be able to talk to you and it could be lovely wherever it is, wherever it is. Hey, you could even choose to be frozen. Yeah, I, I, I've gone to those places, those cryogenic places, and I've seen they have areas there where you can leave flowers like in a cubby hole and sit and look at the cubby hole because obviously you can't see inside the canisters where the people are, people are cryogenically uh, sealed, but. You can go to these places. Even those places have the idea of sitting and visiting. So yeah, wherever it is, uh, don't be afraid to make that choice and stop procrastinating like I'm procrastinating. And I'm not even ending the podcast because I don't want to have to <laughs> say, okay, when the podcast is over, I'm going to have to go make this call. But <laughs> yeah, I know. I am, <laughs> am going to have to go make this call. So oh, do, I can't. Do as I, I... Do, do as I say and not as I do. Next week, you're going to have to let everybody know about part two. Like, okay. did you make the call? And what is the verdict? I will let you know. <laughs> Until then, on behalf of Lisa Goitsch, I'm Mitch Album saying, see you next Tuesday. Thank you for listening to Tuesday People. To be part of our conversation, join the Tuesday People community at wetuesdaypeople.com. Subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode and share it with your friends. We look forward to having you with us every Tuesday because, after all, we're Tuesday people.